0: Our scripture reading this morning from the 15th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, verse 4. Paul, as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words, For whatsoever things written aforetime were written for our learning." That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Brother Ryan, you are charged to preach the gospel. Amen. I I will accept that charge and hopefully you will be honored by the lesson today. Good morning, everybody good to be with each and every one of you for those of you that don't know me or if you're seeing me online for the first time I look good at this distance so uh, my name is Ryan Biddecoffer I do youth and family here we spent um, some time at camp these last couple of weeks it's been a lot of fun Um, the kids had a great time being both uh, counselors for cub camp and was it junior high and um, a lot of fun with that uh, this week is isn't it four through six, and then combo weeks coming up. And combo week blew out the doors. They're expecting 80 people. Um, that, that's that's an amazing. I uh, think it fills up just about almost all the spaces they have um, for campers. So it's going to be a great week up there. Please continue to pray for Copper Basin and all that goes on there. Uh, they are in the midst of really just rebuilding after COVID, and so far it's been a very good experience. Um, to see people come back and to get up there into the pines and have those wonderful inflection points and experiences with Christians from all over uh, the valley and the southwest. My family also wants to say thank you for your kind support during the loss of my mother. Um, We're still processing and reeling, and it's uh, an amazing uh, thing to know that we're loved and cared for and prayed for. Uh, We are in the process of cleaning the house out trying to figure out how to get it cleaned out in time to put it up for sale. Obviously, those were my mom's last wishes, and so we're going to go ahead and execute that and in time find places for my two sisters and um, Janessa Janice as well to, to have a place they can move to and live. So do pray for them and uh, pray for us as we continue this transition. It's really uh, strange to walk through life and know that I would love to call my mom, and now um, that option's not available anymore. But I can tell you that I used to do that every week, and so I'm going to miss those conversations. But that leads me to today's lesson. How many of you, when you live, you live with the idea of the word hope? When you think of the word hope, what does it conjure in your mind? Is it a hope for the survivors that we now know unfortunately um, lost their lives probably rather quickly as they were descending down to the depths that uh, if they actually had made it all the way to the Titanic, it would have been something like 12,000 pounds per square inch or something like that, some incredible, incredible um, pressure? Um, Do we hope for a better tomorrow when we look at today and we wonder how we're going to pay the bills, how we're going to make ends meet, how will we make it through this issue or that issue or this relationship or that relationship. Do we have hope um, when we read 1 Corinthians 13 and we read about what love does, and one of the things that love does is love hopes all things, believes all things, right? Many, Many parts of that facet. Sometimes I kind of wonder if we're like this, If we go, hey, I hope dinner's coming. (laughs) And so when you you back up a chapter in Romans, you're going to get to a part of Scripture in 14 and 15 that talks about how we live in such a way as to be a giver of hope because we are a believer in hope. And why is that? Because when you look at Romans 14, that first verse there talks about when you are dealing with a weaker brother or sister or a weaker person in general, especially to the church right now. And I want you to put this into a little bit of context. Remember that when Paul was put under arrest, who did he preach to? The Praetorian Guard, right? Right because some guy got stuck with Paul on guard duty and he thought that was going to be the easy task because he was a senator's son or whatever. And, you know, he got, thought it was the easy job and then he got converted. These, the, these were the secret service of the time. These guys were actually very smart, very skilled. And for them, for this group, and then the Romans that would have come with them in that entourage that would be converted – the type of discussion you would have with a Roman person versus someone, say, you know, in uh, John's time, that maybe uh, wasn't necessarily as educated or as close to the top, would be quite different. And so Paul goes pretty deep in Romans, and he's talking to a group of people that probably looked down on the rest of the world because, hey, we're Rome. Uh, when you live in Beijing, hey, we're Beijingers. You know, And you'll, you'll feel an arrogance when you walk through there. Uh, hey, we're from Washington, D.C. Now, aside from that place being as close to a, a place I never want to live, I don't know. But it's just one of those, because you know, I don't want to get drawn into that kind of uh, life. But I will tell you, uh, when you're there, it, it is, there's a different vibe to it. There's a different feel. So Paul has to address that as he's trying to encourage them to stay faithful all the way through to the very end. And one of the things that he's going to talk about is hope because hope is something that we all need and we all believe really does exist. But we have to practice that in such a way that allows other people to know that we live in such a way that we do have hope. So when they look at us, they go, hey, I want what you have. Because it's very easy in Christianity to lose our hope in such a way or at least kind of mask it in such a way that we, they see our problems, they see our curmudgeonness, they see the, the negative side of it, and we all know there's this negative side we deal with. But instead, what we want to present is the idea that there is hope for every single person on planet Earth. Because if Jesus died for you and for me, he died for everybody as well. And whatever sin someone is dealing with or has dealt with, whether it's been exposed in public or you're still, in the, you're still wrestling with whether to put it out in the light. We all know that everybody needs Jesus, and everybody needs the forgiveness, and if they can see hope in us, that will attract far more people than if we grab our... I had a big, thick Bible in college. It was a King James. It was about this thick and huge. If you wanted to thump somebody, I had the weight to do it. But I would rather be a Bible thumper in the way of knowing what Scripture says. And that's what we're going to walk through today is several passages in our conversation. Most of them will be up here on the wall. But Paul wants us to live in such a way to know when to act and when not to act. Um, We were watching Lord of the Rings the other day. And you might remember when they go into the hall of the dwarves. And it's dark and dank and everything's been taken over. But they're sitting there resting. And they find out that they've been followed by Gollum. Now, how many of you know who Gollum is, right? Yeah, okay, so you're all with me, right? I'm not geeking out on you. And they find out that he's been following him, and Gandalf's like, yeah, he's been following us for a few days. And Frodo's like, well, why don't we just kill him, right? We're all warriors, or at least I am now. <laughs> and what does Gandalf say to him? He says, hey, is that you? To, are you the one to issue judgment and execution are you the judge, jury, and the executioner? And he talks about this not in a way to stop him from judging, because Gollum was a bad character for sure. But he talks about them. He says, for the one who's wielding the sword, it's it's not it's maybe better to know when not to take a life. Right? That's the question he's asking him. To know the difference between when to and not to. And his point was because that person had a role to play. And as you know in the story, if you've read, I've read the books through twice. I love Tolkien um, as a read, But rem- you, as you know in the story, he does, right? He's the one that actually does destroy the ring in the end, uh, albeit um, probably not his, in a way he particularly wished. But you all see, how many of you have watched the movie? So you know what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not just geeking out on you. But you notice in chapter 14, that is the, that is the response. It's how do I respond to somebody who I consider weaker in the faith? who I consider who has erred in the faith or erred outside the faith, trying to get them in the faith, how do I respond to that person? Is the answer to come at them and say, man, Scripture says this. and We swing that sword and whack them, or do we love them into the fold? And I'm not saying there aren't times to be strict, or or we'll talk about that as we go through, but we have to think long and hard about how we win people to Christ. Because I think it's going to be through loving them into the fold, teaching, training. It's going to be bringing them closer to a walk with God, not farther away, because they sense our shock, our awe, our own disdain, our own concern. And sin should bother you. If sin doesn't bother you, we need to talk talk afterwards. It's not that sin doesn't bother us. What bothers us is that sometimes it's close to us. And sometimes we have to even admit it might even be the person in the mirror that did it. And so notice what he says here in the Bible, Romans 15. He's going to come to this conclusion after talking about how you handle a weaker brother to say everything that was written, what was written for our learning, it's written to teach us so that we have endurance in the scriptures. So why? Hope. Because if we don't have hope, what happens to us? We give up. But we do have hope. Amen? But we have a hope, and our hope is where? It's in Jesus Christ. It is absolutely something we want to practice and we want to preach. and the Bible, that teaches us about hope. It teaches us about hope, and it's for our instruction. The intention is to tell us that the Bible was written, and all scripture that was written down, the canon that we have, that has been vetted over time, that has been put through a process to say these are... The correct 66 books that we follow were under the New Testament law in the 27. But these books are the ones you can trust as God's word. These things are written for our instruction. It is God-breathed instruction. And it's useful for teaching. It's useful for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness. Folks, it's useful for teaching. What did Jesus command at the end of Matthew? Go ye therefore and do what first? Make disciples, and then what does he say? Baptize, baptize them, and then what? Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. You know, it's really interesting because a lot of teaching is more um, values that are caught, not taught. Amen? A lot of times it's what people see in us that sparks in them to want to be a better person and to change their behavior. It's not so much the direct confrontation, and there's times for that, of course. But a lot of times, when your kids see you, don't your kids read you better than you read yourself sometimes? And it's not fair because I have children, and I know that. Uh, but maybe you maybe you do too, and you remember that your kids will call you out for some things, and you're like, I don't want them to know that. I'm older. I'm smarter. Do what I say, not what I do. But what do they often observe? What we do. Sometimes teaching is direct teaching. It's communicating in specific things, showing them scripture, rolling the ball out, letting them chew on it so it becomes a part of their life. Because scripture that gets into us and comes out of us becomes what? The living word. And what Hebrews talks about in there in 4.12, why does it cut? Because how many of you have done something against your mom and you remember it because she was what? What was the thing that hurt you more than anything else? It wasn't the fish, which was our growing up. It wasn't that. What was the real thing that that really struck home? The fact that she was, who said it? You can say it. It's okay. You guys can shout it out. It's all right. She was hurt. She was disappointed. And that probably killed you more. Why? Because that's a heart issue. And that's something you know, boy, when you've disappointed your mom, when you've disappointed someone because you know you've done wrong, well, that hits, doesn't it? You don't necessarily need someone to whack you on the side of the head with a two-by-four. You, you feel it right here. And what draws someone to be closer in love with God except love? I, what in the Old Testament, I have drawn them with an everlasting love, right? I will draw you to me, and then you will be my people, and I will be your God. It's all about that relationship. And so sometimes it does require rebuking. Sometimes it does require correcting, but mostly it probably requires training so people that will know. (coughs) You know, Peter uh, answers a question in John 6 that's just amazing to me along these lines of thinking. Remember in John 6, they've been fed. The crowd's still following him because they want dinner. And Jesus turns and says, what? Hey, you're just following me because you want food, right? You know this. I'll tell you what you can eat. Why don't you eat my flesh and drink my blood? And everybody did a collective you. And what does it say? When he draws that hard line, what does it say? And many people did what? They left. Because they were there for the wrong reason. And then he turns to the disciples and he says, Hey, are you going to leave too? And Simon Peter says what? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now I love Peter. Peter was hoof and mouth Peter. If you know anything about Peter's life, you know he screwed up. But you also know that when he was restored and he finally got it and it clicked, he preached the first sermon that got 3,000 people baptized. And he was instrumental in Jerusalem for a number of years until his death. Instrumental in maturing and growing the church. This is why Paul could tell the Philippian church later on, Finally, brethren, whatever is true and honorable, right and pure and lovely and of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on your own inhumanity and all the terrible things that we can do because we're people. We can do great things and wonderful things and we already know the stuff that we are not that good at. Paul says, think on these good things. Peter was asked, "Where, shall, where are you going to leave? Well, where are we going to go? The only person we can all rely upon is who? Jesus Christ. We live by endurance, by holding on. Endurance to what? So that through endurance in learning this, these things in the Bible, that we can come to a knowledge and an understanding of the truth. First Peter 2.12 says, "...to keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that, that in the thing in which they slander you..." And I can guarantee you that slander in the church and outside of the church happens all the time. But it happens in such a way so that when an evildoer does it, they'll see your good deeds... And as they observe them, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. Do you know when that day is? Can you guys imagine when we're standing before God in judgment day? And you're looking for the thou good and faithful servant. And you know that this person over here was not faithful. I, I'm not talking about people sitting in this room. Don't think I'm pointing any fingers at anybody. And they, but it's your friend from high school that you guys had a tiff with. And he's going to realize at some point that your faithfulness to Christ was actually the right thing to do. When it comes time, he's going to go, oh, I should have listened to that guy. You do something and live in such a way so that when others see you, they don't see you, they see God in you. And then they can't say anything against you. That's endurance, right? Hypomenes, the steadfast nature of being faithful to the very end of your life in such a way so that you can hang on. How many of you have seen the cartoon where the stork has the head of the frog in its mouth, but the frog has its arms around the neck of the stork, and at the bottom it says, it ain't over till it's over? <laughs> Your job is to hang on to the very end. And a friend of mine posted this thing on Facebook where they had speared a frog, and it was, it was laying back like this, trying to get away from this, from this particular heron. And it was, we made jokes about it, but it was just another one of those things where, hey, it ain't over. It's not done yet. He's trying to get away. Satan's trying to devour us. Hang on. 1 Timothy 6, 6, Hebrews 6, 18 through 20. Right, Two immutable things in that God cannot lie. His oath guarantees our future. Is there anything that can separate you from the love of Christ? And the church can say... No. We need to think like that because we also want to encourage one another. And the encouragement of the scriptures, is, as Romans 15, 4 says. And, and it talks about this in Hebrews as well, but encourage one another day after day, so long as it's called today. And believe me, Jesus said, What? Sufficient is there evil thereof this day, right? Today. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now here's a challenge for you, church. Because Mark Twain said that a lie can be halfway around the world while the truth is putting its shoes on. Now let me adapt that to church world. Okay, A, a problem, some, somebody's sin, some issue, can circulate around the valley faster than the remedy to that. And what do we call that sin, church? We call it gossip. You want to know why gossip is so destructive? Because how many of you have played the whisper game or the train game, right, where you're whispering in somebody's ear? How many times has it come back exactly the same? You all know the answer to that one, right? But if you start talking about something juicy or salacious, what happens to that? It gets magnified. And almost always the result is a a person's life gets destroyed,